thank you for listening to the podcasts from Life Central Church. For more information or to visit one of our locations, go to lifecentralchurch.org.uk. Good morning, everyone. So good to connect with you. And um, whether you're watching online, whether you're in one of our locations or whether you're here in the room, I hope you can see these. This is a white cricket ball. And one of our staff members gave me this the other day and kind of spoke a little bit about it into my life and began to talk about the fact that this is a white ball and white in cricket is the short game. This is a red ball, which is the what? The long game. And just how important it is that in our lives, we understand what's short term and what's a longer term kind of game. And when it comes to the whole subject of ageing, I think this is really profound actually, because many of us as human beings, we're consumed by what's a short term option. And so the, the minute I sent out on, um, on, 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 on social media that I'm going to speak on the secret of ageing well, I can't tell you how many products have been sent to me. All right? Oil of Ulay, Temple Spa, colouring my hair. I'm not, that's the short game. If you think ageing well is all about how you look, that's the short game, not the long game. But when it comes to follow and when it comes to your life and my life, I wish that when I was in my 20s and 30s, somebody had done this talk to me then. I have never spoken on what I'm going to speak to you about right now in over 30 years of communicating. I've never done it. And I've never really heard many people talk about it. But we're going to talk about what does it mean to age well. Not the short game, but the long game. And here's the thing, when it comes to ageing, I think it raises a tension and a question in our culture. And in the Western culture, we are terrible when it comes to this subject. Because here's the truth as I see it. Ageing is inevitable but ageing well is optional. And I don't mean how you look as you age, I mean how you really are as you age. Ageing is inevitable, but ageing well is definitely optional. And when it comes to ageing, you see what we do in our culture is we we make jokes about ageing, don't we? So so, so even, even on Facebook this morning, I saw this great post and it said this, when I was 12, I would fall off my bike at high velocity on a gravel path and cycle five miles home. When I'm 50, if I use the wrong pillow, my back is not functional for two days. And so we get caught up with the whole joking around ageing. But the other thing that we do with ageing is we see ageing as something to resist. So we fight it with all that we've got. And that's why all the products come out. And I'm fine if you use the products, but the whole kind of thing of there's a wrinkle. I'm seeing a wrinkle. We resist it. Or the other thing we do with ageing is we almost despise it. It's funny to me, I I am a sports fan. Andy spoke about sport and I love Sky Sports News. It's really sad to me, sad to me, okay, how you can be any kind of middle-aged bloke on that programme, but all of the women have to be a certain, do you know what I mean? It's because we almost despise it and it's worse for women than it is for men. Almost like we despise it. And the other thing that we do with ageing is we mourn it. We mourn it almost as if our best days are behind us and our worst days are in front of us. And that's our view when it comes to ageing. You know, here's something really, really interesting. And I found this uh, in in research um, this week, which I thought was really interesting. The average age of the Nobel Peace Prize winners is 62. Can you believe that? 62. The average age of some of the presidents of some of the biggest companies in the world is 63. The average age of the popes is 76. Our Queen today, celebrates 70 years on the throne of our, of our country. Isn't that amazing? She's 95. 
And in this journal that I was reading, it's a New England Journal of Medicine. It said this, they reckon that you reach the top of your potential at 60 and that continues into your 80s. Some of you are not quite so sure about that, are you? Some of you are looking around and thinking, no, I'm not quite so sure about that. But it's really, really interesting. I wanna talk to you today about the secret to ageing well. The secret to ageing well. And it is nothing to do with products, okay? Let me just say that right off the bat. What does the Bible say around ageing? Let me just, let's just go to the Bible for a bit. This isn't a, um, there's so much in, in the Bible about ageing and other cultures are much better when it comes to ageing and their value of ageing and they see ageing as a gift. They see the gift of years as a strength, not as a weakness. And it says this in Psalm 92, the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon, planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. Okay, that's two of you. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green. Yes, Turn to the person next day, you're looking fresh and green this morning, okay? You've never had that said to you before at all, have you? You're looking fresh and green. Some of you online, some of you in our locations, you're looking fresh and green today. Some of you aren't so sure, I can see even through the camera. But here's another verse, Psalm 71. For when I am old and grey, inevitable, do not forsake me, my God. Listen, so don't let go of me, God. When I'm old and grey, don't let go of me, God. Till I declare your power to the next generation, your mighty acts to all who are to come. This is so powerful. What the psalmist is saying is that, listen, when I'm old, don't let go of me, God. Not because I'm all on my own, but because I'm not done yet. Guys, if you're not dead, you're not done. And I know as a church, we love young people. We love the emerging generations. We've always been about the emerging generations. But God is speaking to us powerfully at the moment, not just about the young generations, but about every generation being important and every generation playing their part in what God wants from them. And the psalmist here is saying, don't, no, 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 sorry, go back, go back. Don't forsake me because I'm not dead yet, so I'm not done. And it's so sad that so many of us, as we get older following Jesus, we think that all of our best days are behind us. All of our fruitful days are behind us. All of our productive days are behind us. And that's not what the Bible says. So the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians, the next slide, that is why we never give up. That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. We are getting old, that's inevitable. But our spirits, the real us, is being renewed every day for our present troubles are small. You see, they're white ball and they won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. That's short ball cricket, okay? We don't look at that, okay? It says, rather we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. And I love, love, love that. And is there a beauty? It's the question I'm asking. Is there a beauty to a life that, that, that doesn't just start the race well, but finishes the race well? Is there a strength to a life that, that doesn't play the short game, but plays the long game? Is there a beauty? Is there a power? Is there a power to a life that, that, that doesn't just age, because that's inevitable, but ages well? That's optional. 
And I think the answer to all those questions is yes. And that brings us to certainty number five. And many of the certainties that we've been looking at this week kind of build up in many senses to this. And this is what it is. Every day is a day that brings you closer to that day when you go home. You see, that day, if you're a follower of Jesus, is the day when you go home, when following has finished. But following hasn't finished yet because you're not home. And I don't care how old you are and whether you've just started out on this journey of following Jesus. Remember in week one, we said that Jesus invited mostly teenagers to follow Him, but they didn't stay teenagers and some of them grew. Many of them lost their lives, but some of them grew. We're gonna look at one of those later. And here's the thing, you don't just follow Jesus at the beginning. That's not the challenge. The challenge is to keep following Jesus all the days of your life until that day comes when there is no more following because you've gone home. And I, um, one of the things that I love, many of you know this, is I love books, okay? I love books. In fact, I try to read three to four books a month. That's not to show off. That's just who I am. So I've read hundreds of books. If you push me against the wall and said, top five books, this book is in my top five books. When I was 40, two years ago, when I was 40, yeah, right. When I was 40, I took this book and myself into a little retreat place for three days and wept because I was 40. No, I didn't. I read through this book, Gordon McDonald, who's now in his 80s. It's a brilliant book. And he uses the analogy of when he was a runner at college and of running the race well. And he tracks all of the decades of your life and all the questions that you're asking in every decade of your life. What you were asking as a teenager, what you're asking in your 20s and your 30s and your 40s and your 50s and your 60s and your 70s and your 80s and your 90s. And his premise in the whole book is that you should be, if you're a follower of Jesus, you should be growing in productivity throughout your life. You should be growing in who you are. Your best days are not behind you. Yes, it's different. And yes, your body is different and all of that. But that's not what they're talking about in the Bible. It's about following Jesus well. And in the book, he talks about things like this. He says, people who follow Jesus right to, to the end, they are committed to finishing strong. Listen to these words. They're inspired by a big picture view of life. They run free of the weight of the past. They run confidently trained to go the distance. They believe that quitting is not an option. They're convinced that building resilience is a daily pursuit. They despise aimlessness. They have the faces of champions. They grow their minds, they handle their emotions and they trim their egos. They open their hearts to the presence of God. They know how friendship works. They seek a certain kind of people to run with. And a guy called Edward Farrell said this, there are certain people who enable us to be as we have never been before. I'm incredibly thrilled. Um, in fact, I was in a meeting in London this week and we were in a circle, many of us, and um, there were a couple of guys in that circle that I've known for 30 years. And uh, there's other people, friends that I've been doing the Christian life with and friendship with for 30, 40 years plus. And I'm incredibly grateful to get to run this life of race, this race of life with people over decades. But you know, here's the thing. Following Jesus for the long haul is not easy. There's lots of moments when you and I will be tempted to press on follow like we looked at last week. But at this church, we are passionate about wanting to help people find and follow Jesus. Not just children, not just teenagers, but every single person. 
And last September, we uh, had a new st- uh, addition to our staff team, my wife, Alison, who joined our staff team. Let's sit down. We're going to welcome her because she's going to come and share some stuff with us. So let's welcome Alison. I'm not going to make any jokes about mm. ageing well or any of that, okay? I've got to stay away from that. I've got to stay to mm. script. I know that. She's yep. told me I've got to stay to script. And I am going to stay to script. Good. So, Alison, one of the things that you are passionate about is about our approach to older adults. So what yeah. are you thinking about as you come into this role? And you're only working a couple of days a week for yeah. us, so yeah. it's still early days. What are you, kind of things are you thinking about for us as a church, as a community going forward? Well, I've, I've been thinking a lot about Life Central's approach to later life. Uh, and this is so important to us. We're so passionate about yeah. this and about getting it right. And actually, it's remarkably challenging to try and figure out even the language that we use. So, you know, we've... we've talked about some language, the way in which we talk about people. No one wants to be referred to as an old person. No. No one wants to be referred to as an older adult. Anything that we come up with, people quite often will say, oh, don't just put me in a corner and make me drink tea. Um, you know, uh, drinking tea and cake is nice at any That's stage great. of life. But, but one of the things I've been thinking about a lot is how can we um, find an approach to supporting people in later life so that they can reach their full potential throughout their life. And um, one of the things I've noticed from the research that I've been doing is that a lot of the stuff that you see around is based on what I would describe as a deficit model. So it assumes that older adults can't do a whole bunch of stuff. Well, it might be true that there's some things that become more difficult in, in, as a response to physical ageing processes or even cognitive decline occasionally. But most of the time, most of us remain very well and very healthy for a long time. And yet we've got this kind of deficit model about ageing as though it's all about loss and all about what you can't do. So I'm really passionate about thinking uh, with people in the church about more of a strengths-based approach. What can older adults, people more in the later part of their life, offer with the right support? So good. Yeah. Great. What, as, you, as you look at this, as you think, as you research and pray, etc., what's inspiring you when it comes to this whole, whole you know, adventure, really? Yeah, well, I love reading like Leon, and uh, a lot of the stuff that I'm reading I find utterly inspirational. You only have to read uh, key leaders' lives to recognise that many of them um, don't start doing anything significant in life until what we would term kind of mid to later life. Um, So I'm really inspired by reading. But I have to say I'm more inspired by the people that I'm meeting. You know, I love hanging out with people who are more mature in years than I am. Because their lives are rich, their history, uh, their skills, their gifts, their experiences, their faith as they've walked with Jesus, absolutely inspirational. And um, one of the things that I came across as I was reading was this great quote from Isaac Newton. And he wrote it in a letter in 1685. (laughs) And uh, he was actually writing it to somebody who wasn't being very nice to him at the time, but he was such a humble man. And this this guy was criticising the work that he'd done. And Isaac Newton said, "Um, I have only been able to go as far as I have because I stand on the shoulders of giants. Yeah, wow. And that's a really key phrase for me as I think Mm. about our approach to uh, later life in Life Central. We stand on the shoulders of giants. We sit here today because of the generations that went before us who worked, who gave, who prayed, who built who struggled, who persevered, so we can sit here 
standing on the shoulders of giants. And right. some of those people are with us this morning. Yeah. Some of those people are still around in our community. Some of them have gone to be with God already. Mm. Um, but we stand on the shoulders of giants. And I, that's what is inspiring me most. How can I help people? How can we help people to... Uh, be and to uh, become the people that they were meant to be right to the end of life so that the subsequent generations are able to stand on their shoulders. So good. Wow. So what's next for us? What are you thinking that might be coming oh, in the next so bit? Oh, I've got so many ideas. Have you? <laughs> okay. I have probably too many, really. Um, really, it's about getting our philosophy and our language right to start with. You know, and we want to help people find and follow Jesus through yeah. every generation. So I'm not proposing we start a whole bunch of activities that are specific for older adults, mainly because people are telling me that's not really what they yeah. want. What people want is to be included in church life. So we aim to develop a strategy which is wholly inclusive, that accommodates the needs of older adults, that helps people to reach their potential. And uh, we are going to need to think about that because there's mm. some challenges associated with it. Mm. But one of the things we want to do is to help people to feel equipped to serve. So no matter whether they served in a certain way during earlier parts of their lives, they may need to rethink some of the service that they're able to offer, but to equip people so that they can serve throughout their lives mm. right to the end. And uh, we've got some really creative ideas uh, without pigeonholing people, you know, some really uh, interesting ideas. So, for example, one of the things I'm passionate about is the idea of spiritual grandparenting. Yeah. Uh, and you will hear us starting to talk about that because I know that's something that you're really passionate about as well. So spiritual grandparenting is something we're going to be digging into, helping people to find opportunities to serve, to develop new skills, new gifts. Um, got a whole load of ideas for some kind of workshops um, one of the things we don't do is we don't help people to prepare for retirement. Yeah. Anyone ever been to anything that helps you pre prepare for retirement? We just don't do it, but we want to do that. So we want to help people uh, by putting on some workshops. We're also going to have some fun. Great. So we're going to find some Sounds fun good. opportunities. Um, Great. And I could go on forever, but I That's think right. he might Thank need to say so some much. other stuff. So what, what I want to do in the time that I've got left, okay, is I want to talk to you about three things that I think really stop us ageing well. And within these, I think, is the secret to ageing well. And if you're a follower of Jesus, and if you're not a follower of Jesus today, maybe you're in the room and you're not, maybe you're watching online, you're not, I think these are really relevant to all of us as well. And actually, if you say, well, I don't know whether I'm old or whether I'm young. If you're asking the question, am I old or am I young? You're old, all right? So, so basically, those of you that are young in the room, I wish... People had told me this when I was young as well. Because actually these three things are relevant when, whether you're a teenager, just starting to follow, or whether you're right, you know, in your 80s or 90s. These three things are relevant. But the longer you go on, these three things grow in their ability to stop you following Jesus and to stop you ageing well. The first one is disappointment. Disappointment. The reality is we all pick up disappointment. But remember for me as a teenager, as a kid, as in my 20s, disappointment was something. But when you've been around a little bit longer, you accumulate disappointment, don't you? And one of the characters in the Bible that I love is a guy called Caleb. And Caleb was a, was a guy that with Joshua, um, when Moses, when they brought the children of Israel out of Egypt, they're in the wilderness. And, and he picks 
12 people to represent the 12 tribes and they go into the promised land. God had promised them this land. This was their future. This was their hope. This was their dream. This was their aspiration. And they all go in the land and the 12 come back and they say, hey, and the two of them, Josh and Caleb say, this is amazing. Uh, But the 10 of them say, no, 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 no. There are giants there and they're too big and we can't do it. And, And Josh and Caleb, they said, no, 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 we can do it. We can do it. But the other 10 said, no, we can't do it. And so they didn't do it. And all of them, a whole generation, died in the wilderness. And Caleb is still alive, could have been a man that was full of disappointment because they didn't have the courage. He could have been disappointed with God. He could have been disappointed with other people and disappointed with circumstances. But at the age of 85, when they finally do get into the promised land, Caleb is not an older adult who's living with disappointment. Look at what it says in the Bible about him. Now then, Just as the Lord promised, he's now talking to Joshua. He has kept me alive for 45 years. So here I am today, 85 years old. Isn't that great? I'm still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. Isn't that amazing? Now now this is not to say that an 85 year old is gonna be as physically vigorous as when they were 30. It's not about that but there's something on the inside of this man that he's not living shaped by disappointment. He's ageing well. Guys, the reality is many of us have picked up so much disappointment in our lives that we're now afraid to dream. We're afraid to reach. We're afraid to stretch. We're afraid to try because we've picked up so much disappointment. It's almost like we camped in a place that I call Camp Disappointment. This is an actual place, okay, in America, Camp Disappointment. And the, the Lewis and Clark expedition in the 1800s, where they, where they were tasked by the president to, to find a, a river route right through to the Pacific. And they ended at this place where, where it was like the, rocket, the, face, the base of the Rocky Mountains. They thought it was gonna be the Pacific Ocean and it was the base of the mountains and they called it Camp Disappointment. Listen, it's all right to go to disappointment. We all go to disappointment. It's not okay to camp there. And I've met so many older people and sometimes I think, oh, you're still camped in disappointment. You stayed and you stopped following Jesus and you're stuck in camp disappointment. And yet I believe that God doesn't want us to camp in this place called disappointment. C.S. Lewis said this, you are never too old to set a new goal or dream a new dream. And I wonder as I say that, whether some of you are even resisting that idea. Maybe you are because of the second big thing that hits us later in life, all the way through, but later in life, and that's this cynicism. Cynicism. And if you were here on Tuesday night, Stuart Blount did a great job of speaking about worship and he spoke a little bit about cynicism as well. Cynicism, according to definitions, is an inclination to be sceptical. It's a posture, it's a disposition, it's an attitude of scornful or jaded negativity, mistrust, suspicion of others and the motives. It manifests in frustration and in disillusionment. Spiritually, cynicism is a killer, killer. Cynical people rarely follow Jesus well through to the end of their race. Pervasive cynicism 
is often at work in the church. I remember one of my favourite stories, an old story, I've told it many times, of this visiting preacher goes to this church and he goes to the door to shake hands with people at the end and there's an old fella there who he knows has been at the church for years and as the old fella walks towards him, he shakes the young preacher by the hand and the young preacher says, oh, you've been here a long time. I bet you've seen lots of changes. And the old guy looks at him and says, yes, I've seen lots of changes and I've opposed every single one of them. It's almost like that jaded sin. It says, I am so glad that there are some older adults here in this church who are not like that, who have not opposed changes, who have not opposed things that are different, but have welcomed them so positively. And can I just say, you don't have to be older to be cynical. One of the things I'm recognising is many of our younger people now are so, so cynical. It's like a generational trait. And I don't like to lump, you know, to, to lump, lump, lump people all together. I do sometimes want to do that, but I don't want to lump people all together. But there is a generational trait of almost pervasive cynicism. And that word jaded, you know, that word jaded is really, really interesting um, because the idea of cynicism is rooted in Greek thinking, okay? And um, it's, it's like a sceptic is a doubter, but a cynic is a disbeliever. And the word jaded didn't appear in English language until the late 1600s. And, and, it, and the word jaded literally is rooted in cynicism and it means made dull, apathetic or cynical by experience or by having seen too much of something. Isn't that interesting? It's like we've become jaded. And I wonder how many of us as followers of Jesus have become jaded. Oh yeah, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Next big thing. Yeah, next, I've seen it before, seen loads of things before. And yet now we're going to do revival. Yep, seen all that before. I get it. I've become cynical about many of those things as well. But when we become jaded and we become so cynical that now we don't trust, we don't risk, we don't step forward, then guys, we do not age well. And we do not keep following well in the way that God wants us to follow. See, I think we stay cynical when we don't grieve our losses, when we don't deal with our issues and when we lose our curiosity. And I love it when I meet older folks who are still learning, who are still growing, who are dealing with their disappointments, who are dealing with their issues, because to me, they're running the race really well. Their body might be doing one thing, but their spirit is doing something totally different. And two of my favourite Bible characters appear in the, the Christmas story, Simeon and Anna. And these are two old folks that were waiting in the temple for the promise of God, for God to send them the Messiah. And one day the baby Jesus comes in with his, in his mum and dad's arms uh, for the ceremony. And it could have been so easy for them to have become cynical as they waited, you know? Oh, we've been waiting for years and, and oh, there's a Messiah. Oh, there's not a Messiah. Oh, it's coming. Oh, it's not coming. And they just could have been jaded, but they're not. Look at Simeon. Look at Simeon. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he'd seen the Lord's Messiah. Listen to this. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God. Here's a man who's righteous and devout. We want to be right more than we want to be righteous. Here's an old man who's still in tune with the Spirit, who's listening to the Spirit, who's moved by the Spirit. And when God shows up with the new thing, this man welcomes him into his arms. That's the old person I want to be. That's the old person I want to be. And I just think this is incredible. 
But then there's Anna as well. Look at Anna. Uh, there was a prophet, Anna. Now, it's very easy for Anna to, to be looking at Simeon, who's now welcoming Jesus in his arms, and maybe for her to be a little bit, I've been waiting here all this time as well. Why does he get to hold the baby first? But she doesn't, look, she was very old. See, that's really nice, isn't it? Imagine someone saying that about you. She was very old. She lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She was probably married as a teenager. So she's probably been a widow over 60 years. She never left the temple. So she's completely faithful and committed. But worship night and day, fasting and praying, coming up to them, that Simeon with Jesus in his arms, coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. That's amazing. This older lady who's carried disappointment and pain for over 60 years, but isn't cynical. She tells everyone else about Jesus at the age of 84. Isn't that amazing? And I wanna say, guys, we have got some older people in our church just like this. We really have. And I'm so excited about that. And I, and I could name some of you who are here today. And yes, on the outside, of course, our bodies aren't doing what they used to do. And we understand that because ageing is inevitable. But on the inside, we're being renewed. And that's so exciting. You know, on Wednesday, so, so Tuesday night, we had a worship night here. And on Wednesday, I had an email. And I'm going to get emotional now. I had an email from Brian Cole. And some of you will know who Brian Cole is. Brian and his wife, Cynthia, are the founding pastors of this church. We would not be here today if it were not for them and many others around them at the time. We stand on the shoulders of giants like Brian and Cynthia. Now, Cynthia is in heaven now with Jesus. But Brian's in his 80s, retired, lives in the Gower in, in South Wales. And he sent me an email on Wednesday and he said this, I watched the service on Tuesday night and he just then went on to say how great it was, how powerful it was. And then he said this at the end of the email, I pray that Life Central will experience a new thing in the coming days. Go for it. And as I read the email, I thought, he, Brian was here like 40 years ago and he, he named, they named the church Zion. We've changed the name of the church, but that doesn't matter to him because I know that Brian and Cynthia prayed for us as a church and for us every single day. And there's a guy in his 80s saying, I love what God is doing, the new thing, go for it. And I tell you what, that's the kind of older person I wanna be. And we've got loads of people like that in the church and I am so grateful to God for you. And I know in my youth, I wasn't great at handling this whole elderly thing. And maybe because I'm a bit older now, I'm seeing it differently. But all I can say is that as a church and as a leadership, we are passionate about every generation finding and following Jesus. If you're not dead, you are not done. Amen. If you're not dead, you're not done. There's so much more. But the third thing, and I've got a time here, is fear. Fear, and I get it, the older you get, the more fear can grip you. It's so, so true. And what fear does is it gets you stuck in that place where you don't risk anymore and you don't step out. But here's the truth, most growth takes place the other side of your comfort zone. And you know, one of the apostles that, um, that could have become the apostle of fear, his name was John. He didn't become the apostle of fear. You see, John was one of the teenagers that Jesus called to follow him. But then as the years went on, all, nearly all of, his, all of his friends and you know, men and women, they lost their lives early in life, but John didn't. And as an old man, John could have been the apostle of fear or disappointment or cynicism. 
but he didn't become that. In fact, most people say that John became the apostle, not of fear, but of love, of love. And I'm getting to the secret of ageing well and it's coming up. But, but this is what John says in 1 John 4. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. I always use this verse, often use this verse at weddings. You know, because when at a wedding, everyone thinks it can't get any more perfect than that because everyone looks great and it's all, ooh. And I always say to the couple, your love can be more perfect than it is right now. And there's something beautiful about seeing older people in love, isn't there? That's what I think John's talking about. In love with each other, but in love with Jesus as well. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. Some of you need to hear that today. You need to hear it. If we're afraid, it's for fear of punishment. And this shows that we've not fully experienced His perfect love. We love each other because He loved us first. Guys, the secret of ageing well is to stay in the love of God and keep following Jesus. That's it. When you stay in the love of God and keep following Jesus, you will age well. One of my uh, hero guys is this guy. E. Stanley Jones was a Methodist uh, missionary. And for 50 years, he spent 50 years of his ministry in India. He spoke to presidents and kings and, uh, and, and he spoke to thousands of people about Jesus. But in his 80s, he had a stroke and it so debilitated him that he lost uh, the ability to walk and he lost the ability to speak. And he muttered, in his 80s, he muttered a manuscript to, a, to, a, to an attendant, an assistant and, and he wrote a book through this guy and he muttered it. And in, and in this muttering, he says this, listen to this, there are scars on my faith, but underneath those scars, there are no doubts. Christ has with me the consent of all my being and with the cooperation of my life. And it's old language, but listen, the song I sing is a lit song. Not the temporary exuberance of youth that often fades when middle and old age sets in with their disillusionment and cynicism. And listen to this, because he says this. No, he says, I'm 83 and I'm more excited about being a Christian than I was when I was 18 and I first put my foot along the way. Isn't that amazing? Here's this 83-year-old guy with a stroke, hardly able to speak. He's more excited about Jesus. Why? Because he's not playing a short game, but he's playing the long game. And I want to say to you, whoever you are, whether you are young, whether you're not so young, whether you've been following Jesus for a few days or decades, the challenge today is, will you follow Him? Maybe some of you, you stopped following Jesus many years ago. Maybe you're watching online or you're here in the room or in one of our locations and you know you quit. Maybe it was disappointment. Maybe it was cynicism. Maybe it was fear. Maybe it was something else. Maybe it was something, whatever it was, I'll tell you what, it was short term. It was short term. In the light of eternity, everything else is short term. Simple, isn't it? And yet it's so profound as well. I wanna pray for you and maybe here, maybe there's someone here today and you're not yet a follower of Jesus. You've never ever said yes to Him. You can do that today. Or maybe you know that you stopped following Him. Maybe you're here because you're here and you do church. I'm not talking about going to church. I'm talking about following Him. Or maybe right now you are in camp disappointment or you know that you're gripped by cynicism or fear and it's stopping you following Him. You can give that to Him today and you can just say, Jesus, 
I will follow you. So let's pray. Let's pray. Just here and all in this room and, and online as well, I just want to encourage you right now. If we can pray for you, we'd love to do that. At the end of our service, there's a prayer space out there or online we can pray for you. The guys will drop the prayer link in the chat. But I want to pray for all of you here today as well. Let's just say, Jesus, we want to follow you. In fact, we're, we're not going to say we want to follow you. Lord, today we want to say we will follow you. I will follow you. I won't stay stuck in camp disappointment. I won't be gripped by that pervasive cynicism. I won't be constricted by fear. Yeah, I might be afraid, but I'm going to follow you anyway. I might be a little doubting at times, but I'm going to follow you anyway. I might get disappointed, but I'm going to follow you anyway. I'm not going to get stuck and gripped by those things. I'm going to follow you, Jesus. And Father, I pray that as every one of us makes that commitment today, that we know for certainty that every single day of our life is a day that brings us closer to that day when the following is over and we are finally home. And on that day, Lord, we wanna hear You say, well done, good and faithful servant. You ran that race, you fought the fight, you kept the faith, you ran well. Jesus, we want that. And then in that moment when, when there is no more following and there's just worshiping You, God, that's gonna be an incredible moment. But until that day, we will follow You. In Jesus' Name, Amen. We're gonna sing this incredible song. Then we're gonna take communion together. And, and this song really talks about and on that day, you know, when the following is finished and all of the reasons that we've got to worship God. But let me say, guys, we've got so many reasons, not just to worship Him, but to keep following Him. And if you stop following, all you need to do is to start following again. That's it. Let's worship.